All right, well, welcome back. Guys, we are so glad that you're here with us on this Memorial Day weekend. And so we're going to continue our series today called Infinitely More. And it's based on a passage from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, where Paul says, Now glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. He says the Lord is able to do infinitely more. And so the last few weeks we've been walking through this, looking at the life of Jesus and how Jesus did infinitely more in and through himself and through other people. This week we're going to focus on miracles, some things that Jesus does. And we know that God doesn't always work the way that we maybe think he should. He does things his own way. I read a story about a guy. He was a doctor, and he was at a party talking with a lawyer, friend of his, and people kept interrupting him, asking for free medical advice. So the doctor said, looked at the lawyer, said, well, what do you do? Have, do you have this problem? And he said, well, I used to. People are always looking for free medical advice, but I finally fixed it. And he said, well, how did you do that? And he said, well, I would give him the advice, and then I would send him a bill in the mail the next day. And the doctor said, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe that'll work. And so he went home that night, and he wrote down the names of all the people that had asked him for free medical advice. And a couple days later, he put some bills in the mailbox to send to him. When he got there, there was a bill in the mail from the lawyer. And so he fixed the problem (laughs) both ways. And you know, guys, Jesus was always doing stuff that upset the religious leaders. But he did things that were amazing and incredible. And in the passage we're going to read today, Jesus fed 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch. And it was an amazing answer to a need. And so we're going to look at how Jesus does that. And then we're going to see, how does that apply to our lives? Can God still do that stuff in our lives? Now, I need you to understand, every time Jesus did a miracle, there was a reason behind it. It wasn't just to show his power. It wasn't just to be flashy or fancy. There was always a purpose behind that. Jesus took opportunities to do miracles, to teach people things, to show things about his character and who he was, or to meet real needs. And so we're going to look at a passage in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. And so here it says, After this, he had just had another encounter. Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd, you notice that word? Huge. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw the miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with such a huge crowd? There's that word again. Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish. They all ate as much as they wanted. Catch that. 5,000 men ate as much as they wanted. That's a lot of food. And it didn't even mention the teenagers yet, right? So after everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather as much, or gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. So let's look at this story here. Now this said it was a huge crowd of people. It said that twice, huge crowd. And so we see here that Jesus knows our needs. Jesus knows our needs. 
the need in this instance was huge. This was a big crowd of people. Guys, John uses the word huge twice. I don't think that's an accident. And the passage says that the men alone numbered 5,000. Now, if you know there were 5,000 men, there were women and children there too, most likely. And so most conservative estimates say about 12,000 people there. Think about that. 12,000 people in the middle of nowhere, and they were hungry. They wanted something to eat. Now, you know what, it, you know what happens when people get hungry? They get angry. That's where that word hangry comes from, right? You have 12,000 people out in the middle of nowhere, and they're expecting you to feed them. That can be a problem. But guys, Jesus saw the need. He saw what was going on there. And they said if they worked for months, they wouldn't be able to buy enough food for all these people. This was a large crowd. This was a very real need. And what does this mean? It means that this was big, and Jesus knew it. Jesus wasn't surprised by this. He wasn't surprised by the size of the need. Now, a crowd like that, you can't call Little Caesars and get the $5 pizzas for them. That doesn't work because you're in the middle of nowhere. They didn't even have sandwiches. So they were looking for a need, and Jesus was not surprised. Now, look at this. He found a hill, right? Nice, grassy place for the people to sit down. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. It says when he asked Philip, he was testing him because he already knew what he was about to do. And so he planned a nice, grassy place. We have to understand, guys, that no matter what is going on in your life right now, it hasn't caught Jesus off guard. Whatever's going on in my life right now, it hasn't caught Jesus off guard. He knows what's going on. He knows the needs in our lives. And so he didn't panic. He was at perfect peace. He sat down and had people sit down. Now, it says that he sat all the people down. Another version of this story, and I forgot to mention, this is the only story besides the resurrection that's recorded in all four Gospels. This miracle was a big deal. And in one of the accounts, it says that Jesus had him sit down in groups of 50 or 100. Imagine logistics, 12,000 people, and you're trying to get them to sit down. You're going to have people like, well, I don't want to sit with her. I don't want to sit with him. This hill's too bumpy. There's rocks underneath. There's a snake over here. I mean, there's a lot of problems with this. Jesus was at perfect peace. He wasn't worried about it. He wasn't panicked. When we have problems, guys, we can take him to Jesus, and he understands he's not going to panic. He's going to respond, not react to the problem. So in the middle of the country, Luke called it a remote place. There are no places to get food. So Jesus was in control. So, guys, we have to trust that Jesus knows our needs. We can trust that he already knows our needs. He's not caught off guard. He hasn't forgotten him. And, guys, you might be in a situation right now where you say, I feel like God has completely forgotten me. I feel like God has, has forgot where I'm at. I feel like God doesn't really care. Guys, he does. He cares and he knows so you have to trust that he knows what's going on. And sometimes, guys, we come up against things that seem so big. I understand. Sometimes these things feel big, but it's important to know that we don't have to look at the size of the problem. We just look at the size of the God who is with us in this. Guys, Jesus knows your physical needs. Jesus knows what's going on in your family. He knows what's going on in your finances. He knows what's going on at work. He knows the plans that he has for you. He understands these things, and he's not surprised. He's not surprised by our insecurities and our weaknesses and our anxiety. He's not surprised. He knows what's going on, and he cares. And here's the thing, guys. Jesus could have just said, well, go home. <laughs> Crowd, leave. Go home. I didn't invite you here. I didn't ask you to come and sit down. I didn't advertise a free lunch with the 20-minute you know, presentation about a timeshare. He didn't do that. He said, but he cared, and he fed them in an amazing way. So, Jesus has, he knows our problems, and he has the answers. Jesus is the one that has the answers 
to these problems. And here's the problem, guys. The disciples were focusing on the size of the need instead of the presence of Jesus. And this is what we do so often. We focus on our problem and we forget to take it to God. I'm guilty of this all the time. When I come up on a problem, I start trying to scheme ways that Rex can fix it. Instead of just going to the Lord and say, God, I need your help. Now, he expects us to participate. He expects us to work in this. But we forget sometimes we have the great big God there to help us out that loves us and cares about us and can do infinitely more in us and through us, as Paul said. Our self-sufficient tendencies are the ones that get us in trouble. And guys, many of us have seen Jesus do amazing things in our lives, right? We've seen him do amazing stuff, and yet we forget to ask. The disciples had seen him do incredible things. They'd seen him walk on water. They'd seen him heal lepers, give sight to the blind, speech to the mute. They had seen Jesus do amazing stuff. This wasn't his very first miracle. And yet they still like, well, I don't know. Where are we going to get this bread? What are we going to do? Of course, they'd never seen him multiply bread and fish before. So this was new. So we have to understand Jesus is the one with all the resources. And he met the needs in a way that they couldn't imagine. And guys, this is what Paul says he's able to do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. God has answers that we can't even think of. He's blown our minds a million times, and he'll continue to do that because he's infinitely big. So he has these amazing ways to do this. And the, the verse says he was testing Philip. Hey, Philip, where are we going to get food? Well, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. But he said he already had in mind what he was going to do. He met the need in a way that they couldn't imagine. We often try to figure out what God is going to do, and God already has the answers, right? He already has it. He can take our situations. He can take our circumstances. He can take our problems, and he can use them to create a miracle. He can do things. Guys, he can heal your marriage. He can heal your body. He can take our anxieties away. He can provide a job greater than anything we could ever imagine because he loves us. Now, does he always do what we think he should? No, because he does what's best, not what we want all the time. Like a good parent, he gives us what we need, not always what we want. I remember one time my wife and I were younger. We had young kids at the time, and we were having some financial problems. And I kept praying, Lord, please, please help us. Please help us through this thing. And I remember I was walking into a movie store to rent a movie. We're going to do a movie night at home, and that's back, you know, before Redbox, when they actually had stores you went into. I'm getting older. But we walked into this store, and I was talking to the lady, and she was scrambling around because she was shorthanded. I said, well, are you hiring anybody, like, as a joke? And she said, yeah, you want a job? <laughs> I said, uh, okay. And I got hired on the spot at a movie store for two nights a week. And I went home, and Amy said, well, hey, God answered our prayers. I was like, that's not what I wanted. I just wanted him to give me money, not give me a job, right? But God does that. He does what we need, and that job taught me a lot and helped me get out in the community a lot and connect with people, staying in my little bubble. So it was good. So sometimes we feel helpless. We feel hopeless. We have to understand that Paul said Jesus can do infinitely more. Jesus told the disciples, with God, all things are possible. So we have to understand. We have to trust. So the answer was more than enough. Don't limit what God can do in your life. I can't limit what God wants to do in my life. I can, but I shouldn't. I'm the one who can limit God, and I don't want to do that. Everyone had as much as they wanted. And he said there were leftovers. Imagine that. Five barley loaves and two fish turned into more than enough. It turned into leftovers with God. And imagine this. How many leftovers were there? He said there were 12 baskets. How many disciples were there with Jesus that day? 12. Do you think Jesus was trying to teach them something? 
you were panicked and worried, and I made leftovers, enough for each of you to have a basket. What were they supposed to do with that basket? Probably go feed people. He was saying, take what I do in your life and use it to go do something good. Take the giftings and the abilities that I've given you and go do something with them. Take the answers that he gives and we can go do things with them. We're expected to use the talents and the abilities that we have. I love this quote. I don't know who said it, but he says, Jesus always has an answer and his answer is always more than enough. Jesus always has an answer and the answer is always more than enough, more than what we need. And guys, I know that sounds like a church answer. Sounds like a preacher answer. But guys, this is the thing. Jesus is the one who can do this. Jesus is the one who can do infinitely more than I can ask or imagine according to his power at work within me. Not Rex's abilities, not your abilities. It's God's ability, God's power at work within us and through us. So are we willing, are we ready for Jesus to use us? That's the big question. We see here that Jesus has the ability, Jesus has the power. What's the limiting factor? Me and my willingness to do it. So I want to look at this little kid that was there. This little boy, there's a story about a little girl. Her and her mom were at church one Sunday morning, and the girl leaned over and said, Mom, I really don't feel good. Can we go home? And the mom said, no, we're going to stay here through church. And the little girl said, well, <clears throat> I'm going to have to throw up. And mom said, well, go outside, go around the corner of the church and puke behind the bushes there. So the little girl went out, and she came back pretty quick. And her mom said, are you all right? She said, yeah, I'm better now. She said, well, how did you get outside and around the corner and back that fast? She said, well, I didn't have to go outside. There was a box by the door that said, for the sick. That's not really what that was meant for, <laughs> but it worked. So we have to understand that Jesus is willing to use us if we allow him to use what we have. And this little boy was willing to give what he had. This little boy had a lunch, and he was willing to share it with Jesus and with the disciples to create a miracle. And so we see that the lunch was modest. It was five barley loaves, which was the cheapest grain that was available. And it said he had two fish, and they probably weren't bass or trout. They were probably little pickled fish that you could take with you that wouldn't go bad while you were out during the day. And probably flat barley cakes is what they figured. They weren't probably big loaves with the little flat round things. What kind of lunch was that? It was really modest. It's probably the lunch of someone who didn't have a lot of means. This boy was probably from a poor family based on what he was eating because this is about the cheapest lunch you could find. But even though this kid, this is all he had with him. They were in a remote place. Remember, he was willing. Maybe he heard that preachers were long-winded, so he brought a lunch with him. But he was prepared, and he was willing to share what he had. And guys, this is the thing that Jesus asks us to do. He wants us to share what we have, what he's given us. Give it to him so that he can use it. Because guys, God can do incredibly more, infinitely more. That's the whole basis of this whole series. He can do infinitely more in us and through us according to his power within us if we let him. And guys, I know so many times in my own life, I've said, God, I don't want you to use me. I'm afraid I'm going to blow it. I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up. I'm afraid to step out in faith. I'm afraid to let you do something in me because I'm afraid I'm going to blow it. Or I'm afraid you're going to do something that I don't like. I know in my own life, I struggled for years and years when I felt like God wanted to use me to be a minister. And I had other plans. I wanted money. I like stuff. I wanted more money than preachers could make. And I fought and I fought and I fought. Because I was afraid God would send me out to some place that I really didn't like. I was afraid that God would do something that I didn't want to do. And then I realized his plan is always better than mine. His plan is always better than mine. And so this little boy said there was a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But how? what good is that with such a huge crowd? 
This little guy was willing to share what he had. And this is what God is asking you and me to share what we have. And he gave it willingly. He gave it, we don't see the little boy fighting. And, you know, I don't know, maybe Peter or whatever said, hey, kid, you're going to give me this lunch. And, uh, you know, I don't know. But he gave it willingly. He didn't ask to be credited. The little boy didn't say, hey, Jesus, I'll let you have it as long as you let me stand up there while you're doing the miracle so everybody knows where the, the fish and the bread came from. He didn't. He was willing to be anonymous. And, guys, here's the funny part. When I was kind of studying about this, this really hit me. This is the only story that's recorded in all four Gospels besides the resurrection, right? We said that earlier. This little boy's name isn't even mentioned. Not at all. He's in all four Gospel accounts. He's all kinds of famous. We're still talking about him years and years and years later, and nobody knows who he was. He was willing to step in the background and let Jesus take center stage. He was willing to step back and say, okay, God, I want you to use me. You can use what I have, and I don't have to get credit for it. And this is one of the biggest limiting factors sometimes because sometimes we feel like we have to get the credit. I have to know that everybody knows that Rex did this or Kenny did this or so-and-so did this, and we don't have to. We have to be willing to step into the background. So one of the big tests for us is are we willing to stay in the background and let Jesus take center stage? Are we willing to let Jesus use us whether or not we get the credit? Whether or not people know we had a part and so we, here's a big thing. If you get anything else out of this, I want you to get two things today. Jesus knows where you're at. He knows your needs, and he has the power to do what you need. And secondly, can we settle the issue of lordship in our lives ahead of time? Can I settle the issue of lordship? What does that mean? That's a big preacher word, right? It just means that I allow Jesus to have control of everything in my life. I have to settle this ahead of time in my life. I have to get to the point where I can say, Lord, you have everything I have. You have my future, you have my money, you have my dreams, you have my family, you have my gifts, my abilities, my time. I give it to you. I allow you to do it. And when I do that, when you do that, when we give him lordship in our lives, not just make him savior, you know, to save us from ourselves, to save us from our sins, to save us from hell, but we give him lordship. That means I give him control over my life. And when I do that, when you do that, Jesus can do infinitely more in us. This little guy evidently had said, yeah, you can have it. This is all I have, but you can use it. This is all I have, but it's yours. He gave it up willingly. So are we willing to say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, and you can have control over my finances. You can have control over my plans for my life. You can have control over what I do and where I go. And guys, when we do that, that's when God can do amazing stuff in us. And we see this all throughout Scripture. We see Moses, when Moses finally got done and said, okay, yeah, I know I'm not a great speaker, but you can use me. He delivered the Israelites from slavery through God's power. Joseph, when he was willing to say, all right, I'm going to just bloom wherever I'm at. You can have my life. The prophets, okay, Lord, I'm yours. You can do whatever. The disciples, when they came up and Jesus said, hey, come follow me, they left everything. They left their occupations. They left their trade, and they followed him, and they did incredible things. Paul was rising through the ranks of the religious leaders. And when he met Jesus, he was willing to go underground and do for years and train and learn and grow before he stepped out into the limelight. Jesus himself went into the desert for 40 days to prepare for what he was going to do. So we have to be willing to do that. And then, lastly, because he was ready, because this little guy was ready, he saw a miracle. Because this little guy was ready, he saw a miracle. And here's the thing, miracles don't always happen because we have great faith. 
A lot of us think, well, I'd love God to use me, but I don't have that big of faith. This kid probably didn't have much faith at all. He just said, here, you can have my, my lunch. He didn't know what Jesus was going to do with it. The disciples didn't know what Jesus was going to do with it. Jesus did, but they didn't know. So sometimes we feel like, I can't do anything great for God because I don't have that huge, amazing faith. All I have to have is a little bit, just enough to say, Jesus, I'm willing. Jesus, I'm willing. I'm ready to share. I'm ready to participate. I'm ready for you to use me to change my family. I'm ready for you to use me to change my neighborhood, to change my friends at school, to change the attitude in my locker room. I'm ready for you to use me to change my workplace. I want to be used. And guys, you will be amazed what Jesus does in your life when you're willing, when I'm willing. So I want to pray this morning. And some of you may be here and you may say, you know, Pastor Rex, I don't have this kind of relationship with God that you've been talking about. I've never asked him to be my Savior. I've never asked him to forgive my sins. I've never asked him to, to take control of my life. I want to pray for you. First, I want to pray if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, you never started a relationship with him to say, Lord, I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want to pray for you. And then also, I want to pray for those of you who say, I have a big need right now. <laughs> I have a huge need. Maybe it's a financial need. Maybe I need direction. Maybe I need God to do something in my family. Maybe I'm sick. I need God to do something in my my body, physically, I want to pray for you. And then also, you may be hearing, you may be saying, well, I want to be used. I'm at that point, I want God to take control over all the different parts of my life. I want God to have my future, to have my finances, to have my time, to have my abilities, to have my family. I want to give that to him so he can use me to do something. I want to pray for that. So let's pray together. If you're here today and you say, you know, I've never asked Jesus in my heart, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. And this is just asking him to forgive you of your sins and to start a relationship with him. So, dear Jesus, I thank you so much for your amazing love for me. Thank you that you sacrificed your life on the cross for me. So I admit that I've made mistakes, I've sinned, and I'm really sorry. Please forgive me and come into my life. I want you to be in control of my life. Help me to follow you every day. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so, Lord, I pray for all those today who are out there watching in their homes, maybe listening at work, maybe driving down the road, but they're here today and they have big needs. God, I pray that you would meet those needs in their lives. I pray that you would come in and take charge in these situations and work on their behalf. Let them know that you know about the needs already and that you're bigger than the needs. And Lord, I pray for those who say, you know what, I want to surrender control. I want to have this issue of lordship settled in my life so Jesus can be in control of my life. Lord, would you help them today? Would you touch them and strengthen them, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, guys, thank you for watching today. Thank you for participating in the live stream. And as we talked earlier, man, your guys' giving makes possible the things our church does locally in Lexington, in Nebraska, and literally around the world through our missionaries. Our missionaries, missionaries depend on your giving to do that. Our church depends on your giving to do the things we do. And so I just pray, I just ask that you just continue to be faithful in your giving, to continue to give your tithes and your offerings to the church so that we can keep doing these things that we're doing. A lot of exciting things are happening here in the building. We've got a team of RV maps workers working in the fellowship hall. They're tearing that place apart so they can put it back together. It's going to be amazing, but we depend on your gifts to do that. So you can give online at lexag.org. Hit that donate tab there. You can mail gifts into the church at 1304 North Adams in Lexington. You can stop by the church office. You can even call. We'll come pick it up for you. 
<coughs> so you don't have to come do it. Guys, we're super excited to see you here in a couple weeks. June 7th will be our first Sunday back in live worship. We're so excited for that. Can't wait to see you guys. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time.